Communication is everything. It doesn't matter how much of a good idea you have or how good your solution is or even what you think. If you want what's happening inside your head to impact other people, you need to communicate it somehow. And through our actions, intentionally or not, we communicate with each other every day. It's something that we don't think about. Often it just happens. When communication's done well, everything just works. Expectations are clear, guidelines are established, people know what to do, things are in flow. But when communication's done poorly, especially with complex or important issues like we see in healthcare on a day-to-day, things go wrong, people get confused, errors happen, people get sick or hurt or sometimes even die. So how can we help healthcare providers and carers build solid communication skills particularly in unstructured patient interviews in a safe, scalable, and accessible way. My guests today are building technology to do just that. Will Pamant and Aidan Roberts from SimConverse. Today we're going to chat about using better, more scalable, more accessible ways of training communication skills to hopefully eliminate a bunch of medical errors and maybe save a lot of lives. Collaboration starts with the conversation, people. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Burge, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is Will Pamant and Aidan Roberts, the co-founders of SimConverse, who create artificial intelligence patients for healthcare communication training. They're two medical students that are passionate about solving the issues in healthcare communication that lead to harming patients. Hey guys, how are you going? Good, good. How are you? Hey, Pete. Going well. Good. Really good. Thanks for joining, guys. Appreciate you making the time. It's going to be great to learn a bit more about what you do and how you got there and all the points around communication and healthcare. So it's awesome. Looking forward to it. So firstly, let's get to know you guys. Tell us about yourself, your background and how we got there. We might start with Aiden and then go to Will. Yeah. So I started off a little bit adjacent to the healthcare field in medical radiation physics. And the focus in that is really upon developing new ways of delivering care more safely. So that's where I got my bias. And uh, it's also where I started off working in AI because back in 2014, we were starting working with early techniques in AI before it became popular, working on things like improving breast cancer treatment delivery. We actually built um, a program that could automatically plan breast cancer treatments better than doctors at the time could. Wow. Pretty cool. And yourself, Will? Yeah, so I'm a Melbourne boy, born and raised. Came up to Sydney recently to start medical schools and met Aiden through there. So that's where we linked up. Before medical school, I did some research in cardiothoracic bypass surgery down at University of Melbourne with Professor Royce out of that unit. We were really going against the sort of typical normals that are done in healthcare and really pushing the envelope on outcomes rather than just sticking with what's convenient, what's typically being done. That sort of bled through to some of my current pursuits. So Prior to med school, started the PhD as well with the College of Surgeons, looking at post-fellowship training and basically looking at how can we best equip our workforce rather than just sticking to what's been typically done in the past. You can start to see some of the few intersecting narratives here between Aiden and I and then how we've amalgamated all this for Synconverse. Yeah, yeah. And so tell us a bit more about that. Two medical students coming together to build technology. I mean, you're doing a PhD, Will. Being doctors isn't busy enough. (laughs) Why start to create something? The why, I guess it's the like, uh, why do anything? But we see this massive issue in communication. I think the approaches are coming from the wrong angle. 
And so when you see something like that and you have the skills to make a difference, it's kind of natural. I think the question would be, why wouldn't you? So tell us a bit more about the problem that's been solved and Simconverse and, and what it is and everything like that. Simconverse is a platform for structured communication training, and we provide that with AI-powered virtual patients. And the reason why we've done this is because structured communication is an element of the healthcare delivery pipeline, which is traditionally not done very well. The statistics on medical error are 60 to 80% of medical error is attributable to communication breakdown. And structured communication is also an algorithmic task. And we see in healthcare, for whatever reason, about 23% of algorithmic tasks are performed incorrectly on average. So structured communication, very important task, very poorly delivered, at least compared to patient expectations. And so you think, okay, let's just train it better. But that's a very difficult question at the moment. How do you train it better? Because the traditional method is very resource intensive. And when you say, just for those not totally in the know, so when you say structured communication, so is that like when the patient and the doctor are in a consult room speaking with each other? Yeah, so that can be professional to patients. That can be interprofessional as well. And there's actually been a large advance in interprofessional structured communication. Anyone in healthcare would have heard of ISPAR, which is a structured communication technique. But structured communication just globally is algorithmic or directed communication with the goal of either gathering or conveying critical information in healthcare. Because when I think about a conversation and healthcare generally in communication, you say it's structured and algorithmic. It's something that often people struggle with when it comes to healthcare because it's humans dealing with humans and it's not overly predictable. Like humans are not predictable <laughs> by definition. So I'm interested more to go into that in a bit more detail, like in terms of how it can be structured and done with AI. How did you come across that? I think uh, unpacking that as well, I think that's a really common view is the idea that, well, healthcare is messy and so you can't apply an algorithm to it. And I think realistically, it's difficult to apply algorithms and it's difficult to apply efficient algorithms, but the evidence is overwhelmingly that wherever you apply algorithms, patient care improves. In surgery, they're totally on top of this nowadays, post the search, the checklist manifesto by Atul Gawande they're completely on board with checklists and it's totally transformed medical error. Adopting checklists and algorithmic approaches to surgery is the single biggest modern cause of decrease in medical error. And I'd like to see the same kind of communication. Yeah, you can already start to see elements of it in typical training modalities. Well, when you're first taught how to communicate with patients in at least medical school so far as we've gone through, you have certain things that you do always have to ask. So when we say structured communication, it's more of a spectrum rather than just a checklist, so to speak. There are certain things in each ED presentation that a professional needs to be able to ask. There are certain things in a deteriorating patient. So here in New South Wales, the Clinical Excellence Commission work really hard for making sure that people aren't missing these signs of patients during these communications, just typical interactions. And unless you're starting to train these sort of communication skills earlier and you're training it in a way in which is more structured, you're not getting these skills actually conveyed to the learners and you're missing a whole host of issues that are coming up time and time again in these different M&M conferences at the end of the month. So I was actually just talking to one of our academic partners this morning, literally just a couple of hours ago, and he was telling me about the, some of the M&Ms that they do for statewide ED training. And every single time they have these M&Ms, every single time, every single patient, there's been some reference to communication skills needing to be better trained. And that's at the top level. So that's at CEC's meetings that they're having monthly. 
Was an M and M? Sorry. Mortality conference. Are you talking a little bit about the training that you receive through medical school and the focus on communication? How much attention is actually placed on the communication skills when you're becoming a doctor? There's a lot of attention to communication skills because you'd be hard-pressed to find someone in healthcare that doesn't know that statistic about how much it contributes to medical error. But I think people see that and when they hear communication skills, they think interpersonal skills, which is important, of course, but very different. And so when you see the kinds of exercises that are implemented in healthcare training programs, there's a lot on working on interpersonal skills. But when it comes to structured communication, they're like, okay, go home, learn this, pass the test, and then eventually you're going to progress in your career to a place where you don't need structured communications anymore. Right. And I think that's a problem. People view structured communication as a stepping stone when realistically, if patient safety is your goal, then it should be the end goal, structured communication. Yeah, and structured communication can exist with typical conversation. To use a pertinent example, when you interview someone, you have a typical narrative that you use of of questions from start to finish, like anyone would. That is structured communication. So that we're not talking, you have a set number of questions that you can and can't ask. It's more there are these things that need to be hit as you go through the conversation that need to be explored and characterised better. And these are the things that we're talking about. When we get even all the way up to consultancy, these things are needed to be tracked, these things are needed to be asked about. And currently, that the sort of narrative around it is a little bit warped. Interesting. And so how come it's taken you guys to come across this? You mentioned that there's been a lot of focus on the interpersonal skills. I'm interested how you've taken this perspective on the problem why hasn't this been uncovered before the process itself of training these structured communication skills has been uncovered so it is attempting to be done by a number of different groups for a few different reasons it's not actually meeting the sort of requirements and it's mainly because of how resource intensive these things actually are the current way in which you have to do this you need to train an actor so standardized patients or sps and they're incredibly cost and time intensive So the person needs to go through this training and then when they're at a level where they can be hired by someone else, they need to get hired and then they can go in and perform these clinical communication scenarios with the student learners. There's a couple of things within this though that obviously are quite large issues. So the accessibility of these SPs is financially dependent. Not only that, it's also dependent upon you actually being able to get to a facility or a site where the SPs are. Not only do you have the sort of restriction of how much they cost, but you also have the restriction of just geography. So just the geographical location where they are. You can't train with them at any point in, for instance, it has to be a set time during the day. So there's all these restrictions around the way in which we can currently do it or up until very recently have been able to do it that virtual patients and the AI that we're working with has actually been able to change the narrative around it, reset expectations, so to speak. Yeah. I guess when you put it that way, that the alternative to having a technology solution is having a physical person as an actor to play this role. It makes a lot of sense why a virtual patient would be the answer, right? Definitely, definitely. You've got all of those elements. You've got the cost, you've got the location. We haven't even really touched on it yet, but one of Aiden and I's really big passions is uh, rural and remote learning. So SPs just aren't by nature accessible to anyone in a remote setting. This sort of technology-enhanced learning is starting to unlock some of that. So in these M&Ms that I was talking about earlier, a lot of the time you'll start seeing rural cases are represented in some of the issues that are happening. 
And there's perfectly valid reasons as to why they have happened previously, but we're at a stage now where they shouldn't be happening anymore. We have the technology that can help to actually expand this and fix these issues. Tell us in a bit more detail then what it actually looks like. How are you guys solving these issues and what would it look like for an end user? Yeah, so with the issue, of course, there's a few components to it. And the part we're playing is the lack of tooling to be able to solve this issue at scale. So how we've done it is we've decided to say, okay, what's the core problem here? And the core problem here is that structured communication isn't able to be taught enough. So how do you solve that? You have some kind of a platform where you can do that. We're the beneficiaries of being in a time where modern AI is just incredible. The techniques you can apply in natural language processing are at a level where they are superior to human performance. So when you've got a backing of having that technology available to you, what we've been able to do is take that and train a system that can understand healthcare professionals, which is a little bit more profound than it sounds, or maybe it's just as profound as it sounds. So we have a system that we can understand healthcare professionals. And what we do with that then is we use that to respond to a healthcare professional as a patient would in a structured setting. And that allows junior healthcare professionals, senior healthcare professionals, nurses, pharmacists, student doctors, allows them to come on and have a structured communication and really practice their flow through a conversation, make sure they're hitting everything they need to be hitting, make sure that they're asking questions efficiently, all those skills in structured communication, and they're able to do it on their own time, on their own device, they're able to do it at much lower cost to an institution, which is really important because you need to get these things. You can't just have it in the hands of the top medical school because the top medical school's always been able to provide the best training. You really make a difference when you can put it in the hands of everyone, the rural medical schools over in different developing nations. And so what we've been able to do is use this technology to meet that structured communication training goal. So it sounds like it's a little bit more than just having e-learning sessions with a few videos. It sounds like an interactive thing that's used on a device. Is that right? What we have is it's a set of patients. So wherever you may need that patient to sit for the communication scenario, that's where they can sit. So in terms of the people that we're working with already, this is an example. So there's a number of different healthcare educators. We work with VR groups, online platforms themselves to voice their avatars. But as far as an institution, as a university or a hospital would go, we're the voicing of that patient. In terms of the level of learning, so it goes from all the way from year one all the way through CPD and accreditation training afterwards too. Just as an actual patient would, you're able to ask them the same sort of questions from whatever level learner you may have. So that's just a frame it. It's wherever you need a patient, that's where it'll sit. I know we've talked about the concept of virtual patients a little bit on the podcast in the past and just generally within the industry. I guess when you think about in the past 12 to 24 months, whether it's a COVID thing or whether it's a technology thing or a little bit of everything, this concept of virtual patients is becoming a little bit more popular, a little bit more accepted. Are you finding that in your conversations with healthcare institutions and other people that it's the same? Is this becoming an increasingly accepted way of dealing with that whole challenge? Yeah, absolutely. Even in the past few months, there's been a whole plethora of different literature coming out, particularly because of the pandemic, on virtual patients and the use of e-learning platforms and things of this nature. The continued validation for it has been very beneficial, at least in our conversations, because people are starting to at least remove some of their preconceptions of what was previously possible. So we had a similar shift in the simulation training space when SIM actually started becoming more and more validated worldwide. So initially there was a huge pushback from the healthcare professional and the healthcare industries. 
people wanted to just use patients constantly and they didn't want to be using mannequins of or any sort of simulation activity. But now you see simulation mannequins, you see this active simulation training in every single hospital, every single medical nursing school in the world. It's the same sort of shift that we're seeing currently where all of these same groups who've already accepted simulation training are starting to see, hey, we can start to do this communication skills training too. It's not just procedures anymore. We can start to get this at the same sort of scale that we have the sim training. And in most cases, just due to the nature of it, it's actually at a much larger scale. It's much cheaper to administer given some of the recent tech advancements as well. The actual AI that we have hasn't actually been previously developed before. So this is the first time in history that something like this has been able to be made. And on that, obviously, we're sort of unlocking a new age of what's possible in this communication space. Yeah, and I think the other major shift has been in recent advances in performance psychology. People are realizing you can train on an analogous task and generate the skills required to then go ahead and implement it in practice. Previously, people thought you'd need to do to learn. And now we understand all these interesting facts about intentioned practice and how actually just doing is going to set a cap on your performance or potentially make you perform worse. You really need to step back, strip back all the extra elements of what's going on in a scenario and focus on core components of it to improve, which again is how we've approached the problem. I know in the virtual patient space, there's many different approaches to it. Some people very visually focused. Some people are focused very much on the skills. We're focused very much on the communication and we don't really focus on any of those other aspects. Because if you come in and you do structured communication training, our view at least, and the view backed up by performance psychology, is that you should just do that. And by just doing that, you can focus on it. You can focus on, okay, here's how I should be reacting in these scenarios. And then when you go to do more integrative training, it should be more strongly reinforced. Oh, really cool. And then so thinking about then the emerging technology and building upon those ideas that you've talked about, what does the future for healthcare education look like more broadly in your eyes? There's obviously a few things that we would like everyone to achieve. And the first is going to be the better communication skills training across the board. So being able to actually facilitate this much more widely, hopefully we see a bit of a decrease in, or it would be lovely if we saw a significant decrease in the medical error due to communication skills training, uh, or the lack thereof. And secondly, obviously, we need processes that are more scalable and more accessible for learners, no matter where they are or what their financial circumstance may be. So that's where that sort of rural communities and the remote aspects come into it for us predominantly, but not just that, but even within the top 100 universities in the world, the top 10 to 15 have much better access to training than the remaining groups. These sort of scalable and accessible technologies, it's not just hopefully solving some of the remote and rural access issues that we have, but is starting to push towards everyone across the healthcare spectrum. So hopefully targeting some of these really big problems. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that's been really excellent with the advent of the internet has been that any person with an internet connection can access the highest quality of factual content in any domain. And so for medical education or healthcare education in general, the problem of, okay, how does everyone get the best information? That's been solved and that's awesome. But the next frontier is how does everyone get access to the best quality of skills training? And again, communicate rather technology is going to be the only way that humans have available to us to solve that problem. So I'd like to see way more uptake of technology, way more distribution of this kind of skills training from a global perspective. 
just personally, I'd like to see more of a value basis in the costing of healthcare or in healthcare education in general. I think at the moment, it's very expensive to provide this kind of training and it's not really matched to what you get out of it. No, totally. And I do think it's a while until Elon Musk's vision of us never communicating verbally and just all connecting through our brains is probably a few years out. So we do need something in the interim. <laughs> um, hey, look, just lastly, then thinking about you guys and SimConverse and what you're working on, what's on the horizon for the next 12 to 24 months? What can we look out from for coming from you? Yeah, so we've got some pretty big partnerships coming up and we're excited to get this in the hands of as many people as possible. I imagine people listening will probably encounter it in the next 12 to 24 months if they haven't already. And then the other big thing we're working on is to really leverage that goal of distributed education. We're working on building tools to make it easier to share content between different institutions. So that'll be really exciting for us when we're able to launch. Yeah, we're fairly ambitious with what we want to achieve in the next year or so, and we're well on the start of that J-curve. So I'm hopeful that if they haven't already, people start to hear about some of the benefits of this communication training. Love it. Look, thank you, Will. Thank you, Aiden, for joining. I'll put some details of SimConverse in the show notes of this episode on the Talking Health Tech website that people can check out in their own time and get in touch if they have some more questions. But look, I really appreciate you coming on and talking around these important issues. Thanks so much for your time. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out TalkingHealthTech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen. <laughs>